Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy and ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Please to welcome back Vice President Mike Pence. Mr. Vice President, welcome back to the Hugh Hewitt Show. Thanks, Hugh. Great to be with you. I've got 10 questions for you, only 10, starting with the easiest one. The 1918 influenza went through a dozen passages, mutations, I think is how a layman would call it. During the summer of 18, it came out more deadly in the fall. So the first question is, the disease thus far, except for very rare and very tragic cases, has spared children, thank God, and young adults. Is there anything you've heard in these briefings with these scientists, these amazing scientists and doctors, that would lead you to believe the virus is mutating in a way that worries you that it might be growing deadlier for children? Well, first, foremost, uh, you know, our hearts grieve for the more than 70,000 Americans that have been lost to the coronavirus. And um, uh, there's not a day goes by that I don't I don't think of those families and um, as every American does. But um, but each and every day that I've led the White House Coronavirus Task Force, we we start out with the numbers and uh, what the scientists tell me uh, at this point uh, is that. Um, what what we saw in the beginning continues to hold, and that is that uh, for um, for many people who contract the coronavirus, they'll have no symptoms or they'll have simply flu-like symptoms. But for seniors with serious underlying health conditions or with those with any immunodeficiencies, the the threat of serious catastrophic consequences are are very real. Uh, we're watching it very closely, particularly with regard to uh, potential impacts on children. We're also we're carefully evaluating um, we're carefully evaluating the differences in the the West Coast uh, spread of the coronavirus and the East Coast uh, spread of the coronavirus to determine whether or not there may have been slight differences even between those. But at this point, uh, what the scientists continue to tell us is that what what we thought in the beginning continues to be the case, that for younger, healthy Americans and, and uh, that 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 the, the risk of serious illness uh, remains fairly low, uh, even for people that contract the coronavirus. And that's one of the reasons when you see the phased uh, reopening uh, plan that President Trump put forward, Right from the beginning and throughout, there is a focus on uh, on seniors, on long-term care, and on vulnerable communities around the country. We want to make sure that we have the kind of testing in place to be able to identify uh, people who are uh, who have who have risk factors, and to get them the health care and to do the the kind of contact tracing and containment um, that we need to do in the days ahead. Well, that is great news, because as bad as it is, if it had targeted children, we would be just wrapped in grief. And I, we already are, but it's not it's not kids. So I'm we glad are. to hear that. Uh, right. Age is not you're a good lawyer, Mr. Vice President. Age is not a suspect classification. So do you anticipate guidance from government, state, local, federal, about uh, adding age discrimination guidelines that might say these plane flights, for example, are only for 45 years and younger, so that people might feel better about traveling with groups that are naturally more resilient in the face of this virus? I think it's a very interesting question. And, you know, when, when we had conversations uh, with uh, the commissioners of the major um, university and college uh, athletic uh, associations, 
not long ago, we talked about that they might they might consider asking uh, some of the elderly alumni to consider taking a pass uh, on some sporting events so should they restart in the summer or in the fall. Uh, but you know, we would leave those uh, we would leave those decisions uh, uh, to um, to uh, businesses, to uh, uh, state governors, to what what we've determined to be most uh, appropriate. I think the guidance that that we've issued at this point in terms of the, the president's uh, uh, guidelines to open up America again uh, are intended to create a framework for a safe and responsible uh, reopening. And as I stand here today, 41 states have already announced their own plans, many of which um, uh, are directly uh, draw from the president's guidance. We think all of which represent the kind of phased uh, approach that uh, was contemplated uh, in the administration's proposals, and, um, and and I must tell you, standing here today, despite the grievous losses, the the truth is that even in hot spots around the country, hospitalizations are down, um, emergency room admissions are down. We even see uh, uh, the number of fatalities uh, declining uh, consistently over the last six days, and. Uh, and that's all a tribute to the American people and the willingness of the American people to 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 heed the federal guidelines that the president issued during the that 45 day period of time and to issue the ongoing guidance from from uh, federal and, and state authorities. So we've, we've made great progress. We've slowed the spread. Most importantly, we saved lives, Hugh. And that's a tribute. That's a tribute to the American people. Now, this is in the category of small but important to parent questions. And uh, I, I know from my daughter this is important to her. And I'm an old lifeguard from Niles Waddell Pool and Warren, Ohio's Packard Park. These city pools are where kids come and gather every summer. They make an unbelievably hot summer possible to get through. As the task force suggested, maybe opening again. Age restricted, keep the older people away, keep the people who've got health compromised, but get the pools open for the kids? Well, one of the things that we presented not long ago um, at a, a briefing for the White House Coronavirus Task Force was a, was a study conducted um, um, by infectious disease experts at DHS that found that humidity and sunlight um, uh, have a, a very, very um, a positive effect in, in reducing the half-life of the coronavirus. And, um, you know, we've shared that information with the public and with state governments. And uh, I would just say that uh, on all of those kinds of decisions, we uh, uh, we just continue to urge people to look to their state and, and local authorities. But it it should be a cause of encouragement that uh, we don't know for sure. This is a new virus. We have not been through a summer season with it. But uh, all of our health experts have at least speculated in discussions since I took this job that um, uh, there is a possibility that uh, much like the flu and other viruses, that there'll be seasonal implications and that we did produce that study that said that humidity and sunlight uh, are our allies uh, in this fight against the coronavirus. And so um, and so being outdoors and being able to enjoy the outdoors and the sunlight uh, is a positive, but it, all of that, you know, the progress we've made will continue to depend on a measure of social distancing, a good hygiene, and and uh, but uh, but the the progress that that we have made thus far is is uh, uh, is really been remarkable, and we we do think that if if the American people continue to put into practice the guidance of state and local officials and and good common sense uh, as we reopen uh, states around the country that. 
we think we could be in a in a very different place uh, by shortly after Memorial Day or or early June. Right. Well, if you can get uh, specific guidance on pools, I think a lot of parents will be very happy with the task force. Now, this is a, a suggestion disguised as a question, sort of like a Jeopardy game thing. And it really is for Mrs. Pence, who is one of the country's terrific teachers out there who loves their students. What about a general do-over year, Mr. Vice President, where everyone goes back to the grade they were in, whether it's K through grad school, so that, you know, with some financial aid from the government, you don't lose half a year, you don't, colleges are assured of getting their tuition, kids are assured of getting it. Has anyone thought about a do-over year for, for education? I'd say, you know, it, it is a suggestion um, disguised as a question, Hugh, yes. and so I think it's... But you know, education is is a state and local function. But we're we're already beginning to have discussions with with uh, members of Congress in both parties about providing additional aid to states, and those would be decisions. But you know, you mentioned my wife; she's a school teacher. Yep. Kind of you to mention her, uh, but uh, I'd like to just give a shout out. I think it's National Teacher Appreciation Day today, and to every one of the teachers that have been doing the distance distance teaching. You know, using online platforms and FaceTime and Zoom to continue to educate their kids. I know my wife has been reviewing art submissions. She's an art teacher at an elementary school. But teachers, have, a lot of times, many of whom have had families of their own that are home, have gone on and continued to teach. And I just, anyone in the sound of my voice that is a teacher that's been out there teaching our kids through these difficult times, we we just want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts, but I'll take your uh, your uh, suggestion disguises the question back uh, into the conversation. All right, one, one more of those, and then I'll go to straight questions. Uh, this is a hundred year event; haven't had it in a hundred years, and so maybe it requires a once every hundred years solution. And this is not very Republican when it comes to paying for this. How about a one time net worth tax or a one time uh, uh, wealth tax of five or ten percent? You know, I'd be willing to do that, Mr. Vice President. This is a a crisis. Has anyone kicked around the idea of asking the people to whom the country has been great to one time dig deep into their wealth and pony up? Well, look, uh, uh, President Trump has got our economic team uh, working on a range of proposals, particularly as we look at what's commonly referred to as a phase four legislative package. Uh, And uh, we actually think the way to jumpstart this economy um, is exactly the opposite hue. Uh, uh, we think we think now is the time for us to look at, at uh, eliminating the payroll tax, um, to, to uh, uh, look at other possible tax reforms. I mean, look, this, this the president often says this, and 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 it's it's you can't say it too often. Is that that uh, this this is what you said? It's a hundred year event. No one saw this coming. The impact on our economy. The impact on businesses, large and small, and and hardworking American families is is uh, was is utterly unprecedented in our lifetimes, and so we need to think boldly uh, about how uh, once we once we largely put the coronavirus in the past, which may well be uh, in the in the months ahead, that that we find ways to encourage investment, encourage growth, and encourage the American people to to safely and responsibly return to work and, and return to um, return to all of the activities that we all enjoy as parts of communities. I, I, I really do believe that it'll be, um, um, 
it, it'll be one of the one of the primary focus of this president going forward is how do we not only how do we safely and responsibly open up America again, but 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 what policies are we going to be able to uh, enact uh, that will create the kind of investment that will create jobs and growth in this economy? You know, one of the things the president's often talked about is is allowing for the, uh, you know, expensing uh, once again uh, of, uh, of 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 business costs for dining out. Um, it's it's one of the ways that you can encourage businesses to have their employees start going back to restaurants and doing business at restaurants, as once was the case before that tax deduction was eliminated. But we, but rather than raising taxes, I promise you, President Trump, President Trump's going to use the full uh, full strength of the American economy because it. This is a president who knows that that growth will solve all of our problems. We get the American economy growing again, starting to grow in the third quarter, rolling in the fourth quarter. And as the president said, we think 2021 could be one of the most most um, um, uh, uh, you know prosperous uh, years for economic growth in American right. history. I agree with that, but I, and I don't want to raise marginal rates at all, and I'm for cutting taxes. But one-time dips into the net wealth of people. Let's just think about it. Now, let's turn to religious liberty, Mr. Vice President. Faith communities yeah. have to come together, and not just for their own souls, but for the work that they do for the lost and the least. And you know this as well as anyone. Now, the attorney general has told me on this show that the government will intervene where uh, local and state governments are discriminating specifically against religious organizations in a way that they aren't against others. Have you seen any patterns that disturb you here? And have you seen the DOJ doing what you want done with regard to what is an unconstitutional infringement of free exercise? Well, I couldn't be more proud of the fact that the Justice Department uh, weighed in on some action uh, by the state of Virginia uh, that was sanctioning a church uh, with penalties for having had 16 people come to a Palm Sunday service um, in a sanctuary that, that seats about 250 people. Look, uh, we uh, the, the liberties enshrined in the Constitution um, – uh, still apply to every American, even in the middle of a national emergency. And uh, President Trump and our entire administration have championed uh, religious liberty uh, of every American of every faith. And uh, I, c- I couldn't be more proud uh, of uh, the Justice Department for uh, uh, standing up with that Virginia church uh, that's that's challenging uh, Governor Northam's ban on on in-person uh, religious services. Look, we can many many uh, states around the country in their in their reopen plans are allowing people to uh, convene again at places of worship this weekend, and I, I have every confidence the American people are going to do that responsibly. We, you know, we can we can do the social distancing. People can uh, people can uh, uh, you know sit a couple of seats apart. Uh, I, I'm sure. I'm sure churches and synagogues may consider adding additional services to be able to spread people out. But um, um, I would tell you the faith of the American people that has shined through the compassion and care of of communities of faith uh, through the course of this epidemic have been incredibly inspiring. And uh, um, when when uh, when our communities of faith are strong, America is strong and the needs of our most vulnerable are cared for. And, and we've seen that throughout this epidemic. Uh, Mr. Vice President, most religious liberty cases are decided by federal district courts, not the courts of appeals, certainly not the Supreme Court. They don't have enough time. And we've got I'm just some special pleading here for California. We've got so many vacant district courts. People like Mark Scarcey have been 
nominated and had mm-hmm. a hearing, but they haven't had a vote. People like Rick Richmond have been nominated. They haven't had a hearing. Even a Democrat like John Flynn is caught somewhere in the pipeline. Can you nudge Lindsey Graham and Pat Cipollone and even Senators Feinstein and Harris to get some California judges? Because we, we have just got courts that are not functioning. Well, I will tell you, because I've been, I've been around when he's done it. I mean, the Senate returned this week. House returns next week. But the Senate is uh, where we confirm our, our court appointments. And um, other than uh, the health and well-being of the American people in confronting the coronavirus, I, this president is going to continue to call uh, on, um, on Democrats in the Senate to stop the obstruction. I, I don't know the exact number right now. We've got more than 150 administration appointees who are continuing to await administration action. Uh, the President Trump is, you know, two Supreme Court justices and appointed a record number of, of, uh, of judges to the Court of Appeals of any president in American history. But, but we've got some of the most outstanding uh, nominees uh, for our our federal judiciary that have been waiting for months, and in some cases, our appointments have been waiting for years. And it's it's time for uh, Senator Chuck Schumer and the Senate Democrats to to sit down at the table uh, to clear these administration uh, appointees to get these judges on the bench. It's all going to be a part of how we get America moving again. It is. Now, I got three more. The, this is a hard one. The president knew at the Lincoln Memorial talked about China. And the president said that, look, the Chinese allowed people from Wuhan to fly to international destinations, but not within China. And he intimated that they may have done that knowingly for the purposes of spreading the disadvantage, the economic chaos. Are we in Cold War 2.0? Vice President Pence? Well, let me say, President Trump's made it clear that we're going to get to the bottom of, uh, of what happened in China and why it was that China and the World Health Organization did not inform the United States uh, or nations around the planet of the real threat of the coronavirus. Uh, we're, we've got our intelligence community working on that now. Uh, and I know we'll get to the bottom of the facts, but that we're, we're going to hold, as the president's already suspended uh, payments to the World Health Organization, uh, the president's made it clear that at the right time, um, we're going to bring the facts to the American people and we're going to hold China accountable. That, that being said, look, the, one of the enduring lessons that I think has broken through with the American people has been just how right President Trump has been for years uh, about the need to reset uh, our trading relationship um, with China first and with other nations around the world. I mean, we, we've met the needs of our healthcare community. We've had a uh, what we call an air bridge that's flown 119 flights of of, uh, of supplies in from uh, around the world of masks and gloves and gowns. Uh, but one of the things going forward is we are going to be working very earnestly to bring back home um, uh, and d- domestic production uh, of these critical elements of our healthcare system. And, um, uh, but uh, but I, I think all of your listeners can be confident that President Trump, as he's done from day one, uh, is going to continue to stand strong um, uh, about uh, the, the, the advantage that China has taken of the United States for decades to reset that relationship and but specifically on the coronavirus, we're going to get to the bottom of it, um, and and we're going to hold those that were, that did did not play straight with the world accountable. 
Well, you hesitated, though. You don't want to use the word Cold War 2.0, do you? And I, I don't understand why, but I understand diplomacy. Maybe it's not an opportune time to do it, but it does seem like among the masks that are at issue is the one that's coming off the CCP. Well, look, we we hope for a better relationship with China. But whether it be the imposition of tariffs, whether it be the way we've uh, we've spoken out against human rights abuses uh, by the People's Republic of China, the religion, you know, the suppression of uh, of of religious uh, freedoms, uh, the persecution of uh, of Christian pastors, of Muslim Uyghurs, uh, uh, the uh, confronting China with uh, um, their uh, their ambitions in the South China Sea and continuing to defend our commitment to freedom of navigation. Uh, we'll, we'll continue to make all of those stands. But, you know, from early on, the president forged a good working relationship with President Xi, um, and um, uh, we continue to hope for better things in our relationship with China. But the American people can be confident this president, this administration, will continue to stand firm uh, on uh, behalf of uh, our economy and on behalf of our most cherished ideals. Two quick closing questions, Mr. Vice President, one political and one about sports. Uh, Campaign 2020 is upon us. Will you be recommending to the president that he allow the traditional television and cable networks, many of which are just off the rails, provide the questioners as opposed to, you know, the arbitration approach where the president names one and Vice President Biden names one and those two agree on a third? Because it just seems to me most of these networks, there are some exceptions, but most of them are off the rails. Well, I'll leave that to the president, and uh, I, I know that uh, the debate commission has been around for a while, um, and uh, I'll leave that to the campaign. I, I, I would tell you, all of my energies continue to be consumed uh, with the work that we've done on the White House Coronavirus Task Force, uh, a task force that was stood up in January, um, stood up at roughly the same time that the president suspended all travel uh, from China and, and bought our nation invaluable time to to uh, marshal our national response, to, to save lives, slow the spread. And, um, but I, I must tell you that um, that come this fall, whether it's in the debates or beyond, I, um, uh, I, I welcome the opportunity to talk about um, this president and this administration's record in responding to this um, extraordinary uh, pandemic and its impact on the American people. I think the president's provided the kind of leadership I've seen it day in and day out uh, that has brought us to a moment where today we see light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, We see 41 states already announcing plans uh, to reopen. And as I said, despite the fact that we we mourn with those who mourn uh, 70,000 American families that have lost loved ones, when you look at what the projections were early on with no mitigation, more than a million to two million losses with even with mitigation, President and I were told that we could lose between 100 and and 240,000 Americans. But because of uh, what the American people have done, uh, because of uh, the leadership the president has provided in full partnership with governors, um, we're uh, we're on a on a path uh, for much less, uh, much much fewer losses. And uh, and I look forward to taking that case and the story of the great, extraordinary progress we made in the last three and a half years to the American people this fall. Well, I genuinely appreciate it. I know the audience does. Uh, the hours and time, attention, concern, prayer that you have put into this, along with your colleagues, I, I mean, I just 
please nudge Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci to come back on the show because they're great. My very last question. Have you got any word on Major League Baseball? This is the Indians year, uh, Mr. Vice President. Are you going to be on the road for any first pitch days? Are you going to be out there throwing out the first pitch soon anywhere? Boy, I sure hope so. I sure hope so. And I I know that Major League Baseball and all of our professional sports organizations are reviewing plans for how they can restart America. But, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's it's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine a summer without baseball in this country as much as it's hard to imagine a a fall without football. Uh, But, you know, as we all do our part, as we continue the social distancing, as we heed the guidance of state and local officials, as we do our part uh, to responsibly reopen our states and our communities um, uh, every day, we're one day closer uh, back to uh, uh, back to uh, enjoying uh, every aspect of American life, including including a great day at the ballpark. And, now, you know, uh, we'll Mr. Vice President, I'm our hearts out to get to that day. I am with the president in being in awe of your being able to answer a question without <laughs> answering my question. <laughs> <laughs> Is there? Do you have any hint for baseball fans that maybe we get the game back soon? <laughs> I, I'm hoping that every single day. I, I hope to have a, a Coke and a hot dog in my hand and to be enjoying a good ball game, although I am a Cub fan. I'm sorry to so hear that, and I'm still bitter over 2016. But, Mr. Vice President, thank you for your time. You've been very generous. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Hugh, and thanks for all you've done to keep the public informed throughout these challenging times. Our pleasure. It's been exceptional. Our real God pleasure. Be well. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. This is Owen Strand for townhall.com. People find many things terrifying. Pandemics, tsunamis, robberies, no Wi-Fi signal, a cable outage. Add something else to this sobering list. The cancellation of summer camp. A tweet from the New York Post voiced this fear. Can parents survive months of hell as the coronavirus cancels summer camps? The Post article quoted one mother whose son can't attend a $14,000 summer camp. I'm 100% in panic mode. Every father and mother can attest to the unique challenges of this pandemic season. But there's much good at hand. Families need not panic. We can reconnect. Summer hours can be long, but we can redeem them. Tensions may rise at points, but we can practice forgiveness, humility, and character development. We shouldn't despise our children and time with them. We should cherish our kids. This is a time to persevere, to pray, to play. It's certainly not a time to panic. I'm Owen Strand. Alliance Defending Freedom. Protecting Religious Liberty. Click on the banner at townhallreview.com.